Yes, it, as um, James was saying there, this is, this is number four uh, in terms of succession. Dear, oh dear. Um, <laughs> first one was planned, the second two were not. This one was planned, so here we are. And I'm going to make you a promise. I'm not here next week. <laughs> We're on holiday. <laughs> so that's it. But it, it's lovely to be with you. It's good to see uh, new faces amongst us this morning. And uh, I echo what James has said. You're very, very welcome uh, to be amongst us. And, and that's good. What a beautiful day. It's going to get hotter, folks. It's going to get hotter. Uh, that's the way it's going to be. Well, last week um, I spoke on, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. And I'm actually going to take that further this week. But I, if you were not with us last week, I hope that today will be uh, self-contained enough for you to appreciate what God is saying. Um, so let's look at the passage again in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just read that briefly and uh, we'll take it from there. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we pick up um, in verse 14, which is middle of a paragraph, but uh, uh, that, that does for us this morning. So 2 Corinthians 5.14, we read it last week, here we go again. Christ's love control compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God that so picks up a lot of the themes that we've already heard this morning Last week, um, I suppose I ought to start with the word previously. That's how they, they go, isn't it? Previously, we heard how the gospel, the good news of Jesus, has power like nothing else. The good news of Jesus has power. And a result of that power is that we become new creation. The old goes and the new comes. That is what happens in the life 
of every person who genuinely commits him or herself to Jesus, who repents, who turns away from their, their past life and says, that's it, I'm finished with that sort of life, I'm trusting Jesus to save me, to help me, to fill me with his spirit. That's what happens. We become a new creation. The new creation of the future comes into our present time to deal with the past. And that's essentially what we spoke about last week. So that's where we begin. We are new creations in Jesus. And I want to bring you two words, and I hope you can remember them because they're they're pretty standard words. And the first one is this. Resurrection. Now, if we look at the passage, and here's here's just the little technical bit. If you look at verse 17, there's a therefore in my edition of the NIV. So that points you back to verse 16. And if you look at verse 16, that begins with the word so. Actually, so and therefore translate the same Greek word. So, Verse 17 points backwards, verse 16 points backwards, and if you re-go back, they go back to verses 14 and 15. And what is 14 and 15 about? It's about the cross and resurrection. It's what happened then that leads to verse 16. Because Jesus died... We don't regard people from a new, from a worldly point of view. And because Jesus died, we're new creations. But I want to bring you the word reconciliation because will you note it is the cross and resurrection that's central to Paul's thinking. It's the cross and resurrection. Paul says, We no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. Do you know, I sometimes think, and this may be just me, that we ignore the resurrection. Now, understand what I'm saying. We assume Jesus is alive. But in our proclaiming of the good news of Jesus, we often ignore the fact that Jesus rose again. Now the cross is absolutely central, of course, totally. But if you look at the earliest church's preaching, you will find a greater emphasis on the fact that Jesus rose again than we often give it. So in Acts chapter chapter 2, Peter is preaching to the crowds on the day of Pentecost. And how does he finish his appeal to the crowds? He says this, God has made this Jesus, but whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, Christ. The resurrection is right at the heart of what Peter says. He doesn't just proclaim that Jesus died. 
he proclaims loudly and clearly that Jesus rose from the dead. Go to Acts chapter 4. Peter and John have been hauled in front of the authorities because the man at the gate of the temple was healed and they wanted to know what was going on. And they bring in Peter and John and they say, what's going on here? And so Peter explains. And how does he finish? He says this. It is by the name of Jesus, Messiah, Christ, Jesus, Messiah of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. It's by that name that this man stands before you healed. Why is the man healed? Not just because Jesus died, which is central, but because Jesus is raised from the dead. He's alive and he's living and he's active. And as he healed when he was physically here on earth, so now he heals. Should we, be one, should we wonder that Paul majors on the resurrection because what happened on the road to Damascus? There he is going to, to persecute the infant church and he's intercepted by whom? Jesus, who's alive. And Paul suddenly has to come face to face with the fact that the Jesus who died on that cross is alive. Acts chapter 10, Peter again goes to Cornelius and he proclaims what Jesus has done and he says, Christ is raised from the dead. Acts chapter 17. Paul is preaching the resurrection so strongly that the people think there's almost a new God here called resurrection. Anastasis. So central is the fact that Jesus is alive was raised from the dead. Now, understand, understand what I'm saying. The cross is central, but there would be no power in the cross if Jesus was not alive. All we would have would be a dead martyr. We might have someone whose example we thought, we think we ought to follow, but he would be dead. Let me state the obvious. The Buddha is dead. But Jesus is alive. Get it, folks? Confucius is dead. But Jesus is alive. Let's go through the religions. Moses is dead. But Jesus is alive. Yes, Muhammad is dead, but Jesus is alive. The Sikh gurus are dead, 
But Jesus is alive. We don't follow a dead prophet. We don't follow a dead example. We don't follow a dead teacher. We follow a Jesus who is alive. He's alive. Yes, the cross dealt with our sin. Yes, Jesus died in our place. Yes, Jesus bore the wrath of God upon himself, which should have been ours. Yes, Jesus is our substitute on the cross. Yes, Jesus is the supreme demonstration of the love of God on the cross. Yes, Jesus is the greatest example of love and service and sacrifice for others. Yes, Jesus redeemed us from our sin on the cross. Yes, Jesus confronted the enemy on the cross. How do we know that? Because and I've just been through various theories of the atonement, for those who want to know. How do we know that? He's alive. Do you know, um, we were with friends yesterday, and I I spoke at at their wedding a few weeks ago, and we were with them yesterday. And (laughs) Steve said to me, he said, he said, people thought you were so enthusiastic. (laughs) (laughs) Great! (laughs) Let's be enthusiastic about Jesus who is alive. Hey, yes. You know, do you you listen to Thought for the Day on Radio 4? Well done. (laughs) You know, sometimes when I hear people talk about Christianity in that, I think, oh my goodness. This is such a sort of weak principle. And, and you know, we're, we're sort of following uh, someone who's sort of long gone and he's no different to the Buddha or Muhammad or, or whatever, to the gurus. And, oh, it's also such a struggle and wishy-washy. And I think, God help us. Jesus is alive. And that's something to get excited about. Because you would not be here and I would not be here if Jesus had not risen from the dead. Hallelujah. Let's be British. Let's have a muted hallelujah. (laughs) Let's do it with dignity. Let's not offend anybody else let's just say hallelujah (laughs) (laughs) examine the scriptures see if it's not true because it is that's the first word this morning resurrection and the second word out of this passage is this reconciliation that's a big theme here you know the gospel has power 
because Jesus is alive. The gospel has power because we become a new creation. But the gospel has power because it brings reconciliation. That which is divided comes together. That which is separated becomes one again. That which is, has a great gulf in the middle is joined together. That's reconciliation. That which were enemies against each other now become one. That's reconciliation. And reconciliation works two ways. There is, first of all, reconciliation with God. In verse 17, which we looked at last time, Paul says this, If anyone is in Christ, and that's the key, we are in Christ. It is in Jesus that the old has gone and the new has come. The good news brings us into Christ and he into us. Do you know, there can't be any closer relationship. You are in Christ and Christ is in you. How's that for a close relationship? You think about it. That's, that's what happens. You're in Christ. And he's in you by the power of the Spirit. That's a deep, deep, deep relationship. And through him, Paul says, we are reconciled to God. We are that which was separate is joined together. Do you know, this is the biggest problem the world faces and it's the one that is not recognised why is there so much trouble in the world why is there, is there so much agony and angst and pain and, and all of that because we are alienated from God that's the problem that most people don't recognise. And it goes back to the beginning. That when Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 decided that they would do their own thing, that separation occurred. And that's the problem. That's the problem with the world. It always has been since that time. It's the problem Jesus came to fix and it's the problem that exists now. Whether you know it or not, the atheist who believes there is no God is separated from God. The one who thinks there's a God, well, there must be, but I don't know if I can be related to him, is separated. The person whose life is messed up and he's obviously in a mess in that way. Separated from God. 
The person who seems to have it all together and is doing very well in life, thank you, with my big house and fast cars, separated from God. That's the fundamental reason for all that we face. We are out of joint with God. Paul says in Romans that we were enemies. How many times on thought for the day have you heard us described as the enemies of God? But that's what we were before we knew Jesus. We don't think of it like that. Oh, oh God loves me as I am. Thank God he does. In fact, if we're looking for love of enemies, the biggest example we can find in the Bible is God himself. God so loved the world that's at enmity with him. Thank God he loves his enemies. Thank God he doesn't leave us where we are. Reconciliation. That's what Jesus came to do. That's the good news that we have. The people out there, not a million miles from us, are separated from the God who loves them so much. The God who reaches out to them in Jesus. So reconciliation with God is our greatest need. But the gospel achieves more than that. The good news has more power than that. There's reconciliation with each other. And we're crying out for that, aren't we? Look at Ukraine. We keep coming back to that. It may be dropping off the news, but it isn't dropping off the attention of those in Ukraine. Hear me. A friend of mine sent a video this week of his cousin's son's work in Ukraine. Don't worry about that. But honestly, the video was heart-wrenching. To see these people fleeing their homes, grabbing what little they could, turning up in the city where this person lives with next to nothing. Their houses, homes, some of their family even destroyed. It was gut-wrenching. And you think, God, do something. And what is the result of that? Well, it's because we're out of, out of joint with God but that means we're out of joint with each other and on the national scale it's led to war. That's what Jesus came to fix. Oh, we could go nationally. Look at the, look at the problems we're facing. Look at the strikes that are looming. Look at what's happening in terms of... of of increasing cost. You hear on the radio this morning 
how, how in October more and more people could be facing poverty, not just overseas, but here. How out of joint are we? Or you look into to the families and you can some of us can look into our own families. And we say, God, it shouldn't be like this. We're out of joint. And the cross and resurrection comes to heal that. You see, Jesus, when he died and rose, made no distinction between race or culture because he died for Jews and Gentiles. He died for black and white. When Jesus died, he made no distinction between class and status. He died for slave and free. He's alive for slave and free. The cross makes no distinction between sex and gender. He died for male and female. And in Jesus, all the antagonistic divisions are healed. And all the God-given distinctions are equal. Because that's what he came to do. Came to bring healing. You know, Ephesians 5 says, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now that word church is the word ecclesia. What do you think when you hear that? I'll tell you what first comes to mind. What can come to mind is all sorts of things like cathedrals and church buildings and pomp and ceremony and maybe the Pope or the Archbishop of Canterbury or even New Life Christian Fellowship. Christ loved the church. But the word ecclesia just means the gathering of God's people. That's its essential meaning. And Christ loved the fact that people come together and he loved that coming together so much that he died and rose so that could happen. That we could come together in unity and trust and love. That's one of the main Reasons Jesus died and rose again so that true community could be restored. You hear? So that true community could have. We hear all sorts of words, to, uh, things today about this community and that community. There's, there's the black community and other communities. It's a misuse of the word community. The community that Jesus died for and is alive for is a community of love and trust and acceptance and wholeness and preferring each other in love. It's, it's a community that reflects together the life and goodness and peace and power and holiness of Jesus. That's community. We haven't made it, folks. 
we've got a long way to go but that's the goal oh that's the power of the gospel rules regulations that can't bring people together just following the example a dead teacher that can't bring people together in that way the women's football final wasn't that great ah was comments oh it's brought the nation together well it might have done temporarily but it doesn't last it doesn't last the only thing that can last is when you're in Christ I'm in Christ and we're together and you know death's not going to destroy that that's going to go on my goodness an eternal new life Christian fellowship at its best at its best and we get glimpses of that at times don't we and that's only a glimpse it can be much better and it's, it's sometimes it's great here isn't it and we love each other and we're good to, it's good to be together and we think great I'm so glad that these are my brothers and sisters but that's only a glimpse think what it's going to be like forever that the very best we have is but a foretaste of what is to come wow you know and you know God John Doe well he was a bit difficult to get on with here but honestly now we've, we've got that fully together isn't that wonderful it's going to be great to spend eternity together and not just with us but those who've gone before and those who's going to come afterwards ah oh, and that's the power of the gospel and the praise is going to be magnificent, fellas. What we have here, what we have here, and we say, gosh, thank you, Lord, for that. Just a glimpse of what is going to come. And look at that. Just a glimpse <laughs> of the heavenly choir. <laughs> Just a glimpse. <laughs> of us praising God wonderful if any person is in Christ he or she is a new creation the old is gone the new has come why? because Jesus died and he's oh we're nearly getting there <laughs> because Jesus died and he is amen amen and we are reconciled first of all to God and we can look at as we sang today we can call him father how fantastic is that and we're reconciled to each other yeah that's the power of the gospel that's what it's all about and God is calling us in these days 
as we go through new new building and and again we just commit commit Tuesday to you because they are going to say yes or even take it or no and take it on a stage further is that right Peter but we hope it's going to be a yes and it's going to be a final yes and we're going to then progress from there but what's that all about so that we could be visible in the town, yes. So that we can have an impact on the community of Beckles, yes. So that we can see people coming to Jesus, yes. So that we can demonstrate a little bit of heaven on earth. Whoa! And it's just a foretaste of what's to come. Father, we thank you for the glorious good news that you've given to us. We thank you that we can say this morning from a full and free heart that Jesus died for me, Jesus died for us, and that Jesus is alive. We thank you that we can say that, not out of any doubt, but out of reality, because we know that we are together in Christ. And we thank you for that. We thank you that we have so much evidence of your working power in our lives. We know Jesus is alive. We may be mocked. We may be scorned. We may, we may be laughed at. But we know the reality, Lord, and we thank you for it. And we pray that in these days you will pour out your Holy Spirit upon us that together, individually and together, we may be true ambassadors for the reconciling power of the good news of Jesus. Lord, we long to see lives put in touch with you again, lives healed, restored, forgiven, renewed. We long to see a new community here. Lord, we long to see a touch of heaven on earth. Oh, Lord, do it, we pray. Do it for us, Lord. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to walk in the way that you want us to be. Lord, help us to love one another from a pure and, and full heart. Help us, Lord, by your spirit to do the impossible. Lord, help us to see your power at work. We want to see you, Lord, not only heal the sick, we'd love you to raise the dead spiritually and not even literally if that was your, your will. But Lord, we ask that we may see you move in power, that Lord, we may see your life manifested in this place. Lord, we long for you. We sing it so often, Lord, we long for you to move in power. We do. We do, Lord. And I pray that in these days you will hear us and that you will renew us. To you belongs all honour and praise and glory and strength and dominion and power. You are worthy, O God, to receive all that is due to your holy name. We worship you. We adore you. We praise you. We honour you. We bless you. Lord, how great you are, how magnificent in all your ways, how perfect, how unchangeably sure you are. There is no shadow of change in you, but you're reliable, dependable, always open to us. Lord, hear us. Hear us as we cry to you, not just for ourselves, but for this land, for this town, for this area, for the future. Lord, Hear us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.